Sarah Bright, the host for the Your Chakra Coach podcast. We dive into the chakra system and what it means to us. We have some heartfelt conversation. I'm so happy you're here. Let's get started. I am so happy to have Sarah Bright with us today. She is a friend. She has had me as a guest on her podcast. I am so grateful to have her today. Sarah is a chakra-informed nutrition and fitness coach. She is the host of Your Chakra Coach, which is the Apple's top 50 podcast, one of the top 1% globally ranked shows. And she is just amazing. She is a friend. She is an incredible human with a big heart with so much love to give. I'm so grateful to welcome you to the show today. Thank you so much for being here. I can't oh, wait. Erin, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> this is really exciting. Yeah, I can't wait to dive in. I know I felt like our earlier conversation was just as touching. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to having just as much love and sharing Absolutely. on this. So first, thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, yeah. Establishing Equilibrium is doing great. And I feel like that was in part just sharing all of that wisdom and knowledge with you. So thank you so much. And I'm so happy we're learning together. Sarah has totally, totally been yeah. helping me out on things too. It was my pleasure too. to have you on the show. And I've gotten feedback about that episode, about how helpful it was. So mm. I'm just thrilled that your book is out in the world, helping people heal and, uh, you know, just feel better. So good. I agree. Sarah and I actually were talking that as we all individually heal, the world heals. And mm -hmm. do you want to share any more of what you were talking about about that? Yeah, I just think it's so important that, you know, as we each do our individual work of growing and changing, right? Like this is not a zero sum game. We all, mm -hmm. you know, it's the rising tide lifts all boats kind of situation. This is, I think one of the most amazing thing I've learned doing this work is that can do no wrong if we work together, right? Like mm, I always like to mm -hmm. say, you know, individually, individually I'm great, but as mm -hmm. a as a community with you and all the others, like we're phenomenal. We're just, mm -hmm. we're amazing. So. so good. It makes me think of the Maya Angelou poem, right? Phenomenal me. Yes. <laughs> so it's a perfect adjective. Thank you, Maya, for blessing <laughs> down on us today. <laughs> oh. So today we are going to just have dive into the chakra system. And we're just going to have, I had asked Sarah to join me to really dive in to this system together. I think we've both studied the system so much that I think it's going to be really fun to get into the nitty gritty of it all. So she is going to walk through her chakra experience, but I want to give you a little bit of background on her first so you know who she is and to have her share her amazing story. So Sarah, when did you first get interested in the chakra system? What was your awakening moment? I first learned about the chakra system in, and I, I did the math earlier, 1996, which I don't know. <laughs> that just <laughs> tells you how, how is long that possible? I know, yeah. I know. I was at a theater conference of all things. Uh, I was in college. I was attending a theater conference, and a friend of mine and I wandered into this workshop about the chakra system. What it was doing at the theater conference, I don't know. But it Synchronicity. was about, yeah, you know, it was about how to build a character based on this seven chakra system. And I was like, I don't know hmm. what this is, but it's fine. We went in, we all sat on the floor and 
it was so interesting because as I learned about it, as this woman started sort of exploring this with us, I thought, oh my gosh, something about this sits in my core as being true. I I knew Mm. that I was hearing something. It was your ring of truth. Yes, exactly. It just resonated with you. It was resonant. Mm -hmm. And it's... It goes back, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Mm-hmm. Who could have possibly known that was when I would <laughs> like be ready for that sort of weird teacher anyway? Yeah. <laughs> weird teacher. Like, you know, let's remember, this was 1996. As everyone has said about every chakra teacher ever. Ever, that weird teacher, 100%. <laughs> highest compliment you can give me is being like, oh, yeah, Sarah, she's that weird teacher. You know what, though? Uh-huh. I want to pause for just one second on that, though, because I think we reach a place in our spiritual growth, in our spiritual path that we just don't care anymore. One, I know for me, and I bet that you've experienced the same thing. I used to feel like I had to convince them in that moment, like, yes, this is right. This is truth. This is, this is the real deal. Like this, this is the the guidance here. But now I'm like, that's okay. If you want to think I'm weird, like you're going to have your moment of awakening and you're going to realize this is actually truth. And then I've stopped. And I feel like in stopping and not putting so much pressure, I feel like more people come faster because I'm not trying to convince them anymore. It's like, okay, it's here when you're ready. I don't know. Do you want to speak to that? I know. To being the weird teacher too and being okay with it. I say this (laughs) to my yoga classes when people are like, oh, you know, I've been out of yoga for so long. I'm like, well, it's no problem because the the practice has been around for 5000 years it'll still be here when you're ready <laughs> like it's not, like <laughs> yoga's not going anywhere the chakra system's not going anywhere right and i also think for some people it may never resonate something else might and that is also mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. and fine but that was it for me in that moment and so aaron i had to go to a bookstore an actual physical location bookstore to get a book to learn more about the chakras. That <laughs> could have been a ago. contemporary bookstore though. <laughs> no, I don't even remember where it was. It was like, anyway, and it was like hidden away. Right, well, because it was 1996. 1996. Amazon didn't exist. <laughs> and I went, there was no Amazon. You couldn't buy, there was basically no online. I had to put shoes on and yes. a jacket and go outside. And it was fine because I already had things to do like run errands, but... <laughs> Anyway, who runs errands anymore? I don't know, right? Run you errands run Amazon. Goes to your computer. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I, but I wanted to know because I was so excited mm. about what I'd heard. So I went and I bought Anna Dea Judith's book, obviously, because mm-hmm. that's where like you mm-hmm. start and that's mm-hmm. available at most places. But um, yeah. And I was so embarrassed to be in what amounted to the New Age section because I'd come from a very, very conservative, religious upbringing where that learning Mm. about that kind of stuff just the act of being interested in it was Mm. basically a sin Mm -hmm. right like so I had an extraordinary amount of guilt just walking into that section of the bookstore Mm -hmm. I had to go by myself because it was obviously very shameful to go be interested in this but Mm. I it it really had your glasses and your hat on yeah and I had my Groucho Marx mask on right so no one would know who I was (laughs) and just to clarify and I'll include a link down below Sarah Bright is referring to the wheels of life by Anna Dea Judith and so I'll include a link to that book down below yeah yeah, all of all of her stuff is amazing. She's actually been yeah. a guest on my podcast. Like, it was <gasps> like I know she's like the original OG. She's, yeah, she's like OG brought chakras to a lot of the Western world um, in some yeah. very important ways. Yeah, she was amazing. Guest. Oh, I will have to go listen. Well, I'll include a link to that as well down yeah, below. Everybody, go listen. She's she's incredible. 
So I, I spent a lot of years just privately studying the chakras, which I think is part of part of why my journey took so long, but it really it really asked me to do a lot of work. I didn't have anybody to talk to about it. I couldn't just go look up, you know, hashtag chakra balancing, mm-hmm. right? So it was a bit of a struggle for a long time. I didn't know what I was doing, but mm-hmm. I was I was doing work and I do feel like it was kind of like hit or miss, catch as catch can type stuff, right? Because I didn't have a guide, right? I wish mm-hmm. I wish that I'd had a, a teacher, somebody to sort of talk me through it. I think they existed. I just didn't know where to find mm-hmm. them. But you know, in with a lot of my students, I I teach them. We go through my book, we go through the classes, but then I say, this is just the beginning. The real learning is your experiential experience with your energy center. This is the exactly subtle, right. the subtleness of your own personal energy is so intimate that only you can know when you spend time there. And I think that word experiential matters a lot. Like mm-hmm. chakra philosophy, yoga philosophy, these are things you can study, but they are not things that you necessarily know in your in your body and in your heart mm-hmm. and in your soul until you really start to experience them. So while mm-hmm. it might have been sort of like a, a hard road, I'm very grateful for it in the end mm-hmm. because um, I really had a lot of sort of experiences along the way. Um, again, mm-hmm. I really wish I'd had a teacher, <laughs> somebody to sort mm-hmm. of talk these things through because there's and you'll probably relate to this, but there's a lot of like, oh my gosh, is this normal? A hundred percent. And now when I do have private clients, people will tell me, and this, I swear to you, they will say, so I have this weird thing where I, and then they'll finish the sentence by telling me something that a hundred people have told me before. Right. But we uh-huh. feel so isolated mm-hmm. doing this work. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think you can do your inner work and you can do your private work, but being part of a community mm-hmm. helps you understand. Um, even the like ancient yogic sages had communities, right? There's ashrams mm-hmm. and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that is something that I've learned quite a bit as I've been on this journey. Mm-hmm. The reason I started sort of teaching the chakra system was a bit of an accident. I was doing <laughs> personal training, like nutrition coaching and things like that. Very much sort of Western world type stuff. Mm-hmm. And then at a certain point, I realized that none of that was working. Very little of it mattered in mm-hmm. a way in in a in a long. It wasn't bringing way. joy. It wasn't bringing joy to mm-hmm. to my clients' lives. And so I had this sort of epiphany one day. I was like, "Oh wait, what if I taught them this thing that has brought me joy?" Like it was like it seems so obvious now looking back, but at the time I thought they were two very separate things. Yeah. Um, and I was joke, you know, nobody was paying me for chakra coaching, so like <laughs> I had to sneak it in. Right. When I imagine you're alone, you're alone. That lonely path that you walked created this empathy within you to make you even more interested and more driven to bring it to others, so that they didn't feel lonely. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. And empty, right? Because Mm -hmm. you can, you can do all the work you want to change your physical vessel. And -hmm. that might be helpful. It might make you healthier. Um, It might make you feel better in some ways, but some of that like core emptiness will not be filled I don't mm-hmm. care how many like bodybuilding competitions you win. <laughs> it's true. Um, right. Just like that's like, and you, like, 
you talk to Olympic athletes. I don't talk to Olympic athletes typically, <laughs> but I hear them. And Although you're say, all invited onto your talker right. coach whenever <laughs> you're welcome. Whenever Any you Olympic want. athlete listening to this, I would love to chat with you. But I, I you know, like, so I specifically think of like Abby Wambach because I'm a big uh, soccer fan. Mm-hmm. And she says, mm-hmm. you know, I, I won world championships. I won Olympic gold medals and it would be exciting and thrilling mm. for a couple days. Mm-hmm. And then I would think, is that it? Mm-hmm. Is that, is that what life is? Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, like this is the work that has made me not get up in the morning and say, is this it? Like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. this is, it. Mm-hmm. this is all life is. You know, because mm-hmm. I feel like the chakra work has made my life richer in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. I started my yoga practice in my early 20s. And and at the same time, I was also, you know, going and doing all the weights and all that stuff yep. too, right? It's all important. <laughs> but it's I, all I really got wonderful. into like the the really intent, like the two hour, you know, 200 people, like, you know, this much room in between the mats, Whoa. just an inch in between the mats, just like hot, sweaty, just so great. So much energy in the room. Except then when I got really into my yoga practice, when I would go to the gym, I remember telling my friend, I'm like, gosh, like working out on the weights, it feels like I'm only doing half a workout. Like I remember saying those exact words. It's only a half a workout. There's this other part that's just missing. It's just physical. It's not, it's not tapping into the energy or the emotion. And at the time I didn't, I didn't know all that I know now, but it was like, that's how I referred to it was a half Half workout. I mean, of course the, the physical part was intense, right? I was pushing myself, but no matter how hard I pushed myself physically, it still felt like half. Yeah. I think and I, I mean, I, I love to lift weights. I lift weights several mm-hmm. times a week. You know, I think that's mm-hmm. all very important, but I don't rely on it to feed your soul, feed my soul. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, it kind of does in some ways, but mm-hmm. I always, you know, there's the old, there's the saying like yoga is a work in as opposed to, work, <laughs> as opposed to a workout. Um, so I think that's really I love cute. that phrase. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, I started sort of combining the two, like. Mm-hmm. on the down low, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't walk into my clients and be like, all right, let's get warmed up. So tell me about your solar plexus chakra, right? <laughs> like that was just not my approach. Yeah. How did you begin to integrate that into your, your practice? I think knowing a lot of listening, right? And I think this mm-hmm. is actually, I was doing this for my clients and I continue to, but this is something that we can all do for ourselves. Listen to the words that you use to describe what's happening in your mm-hmm. life. And as you learn about the chakras, you'll kind of see, I could hear where the pain was mm-hmm. when they were mm-hmm. describing things that were bothering them or struggles that they were having in their life. Um, and then I would sort of relate it to one of the seven primary chakras. And then as we would go through these physical workouts, we would also sort of explore the psychological aspects around what was happening in their lives. The energetically, I just didn't use that language. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. because I think a, bit, a major tenet of what I do is, is understanding that the physical body, emotional body, mental body, and spiritual body are integrated so closely mm-hmm. they cannot be separated. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we tend to want to separate them, especially I think in the Western world, we want to pull them apart and be like, today I will work on my physical body. Today I will meditate mm-hmm. and work on my spiritual body. <laughs> now I will go to therapy and work on my emotional body. And instead of recognizing that these are all so closely intertwined that mm-hmm. to work on one is to work on all, 
when we when we don't recognize that, it starts to create that disconnect, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And you meet people who work exclusively on their spiritual selves, exclusively on their physical selves. Mm-hmm. And I think some of the work that I do is to help people integrate that um, because that is a lot of times what's missing is the pulling together of all the mm. pieces. So that was what I was trying to do. And after oh, a lot of years of doing that, <laughs> I I kind of felt of being, like... Of being hidden. Of being, being hidden. hidden. Yeah, yeah, coming out of the spiritual closet. Um, <laughs> I kind of felt like... And remember, please, I'm still sort of... Part of my work is working through the shame about doing this work, mm-hmm. right? Like, Oh, like 100%. Is, like we said, you have to feel comfortable doing. with people thinking you're quote unquote weird yes. until they've experienced it themselves. Yes, yes. And my family just thinking like, what are you even doing as, you know, like, well, I don't understand you. I don't get you. Uh, my poor mom. She still says that sometimes. She's like, I, know, I don't, I still have I don't understand what that. you do, but it's fine. I love you anyway. Thank you. I appreciate that. So same, about, same. I think it was about 2018 that I thought, you know what I should do? I should start a podcast that talks mm. about, I love podcasts. And so mm-hmm. I said, I should start a podcast that talks about all of this stuff. I could just kind of share with anyone that cares. I don't know. That could be five people. That could be 10 people. I don't know. It could be one mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I could share. And that was about 2018. So a solid two years later, <laughs> I finally worked up the nerve to actually do it. <laughs> I will. Say, I had to work through a lot of stuff. Like I mm-hmm. used my own methods to work through a lot of stuff to feel like mm-hmm. to get over the fear of starting a podcast, the self-doubt of thinking that I don't have anything valuable to say that mm-hmm. who would even care about what I would put into the world and getting mm-hmm. to the point where I was like, I don't care if no one cares. Right. Like I need to do this. And so in January, 2020, I uh, dropped an episode of your chakra coach and <laughs> here we and here you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's really been such a journey. And I won't lie to you. Like, I have to still go through all of that work. Like, right now, I'm in a phase where I'm just like, is it, oh, should I be doing this? Do you know, like, I don't, you know, it's everybody goes through phases. I always think, you know, we, we think that chakra balancing is like a checklist. We're like, okay, right. check, check, check. Oh, great. Balance. Good. All right. Wrap right. that up and go. And it's not, I mean, sometimes it's, it's a small imbalance. Other times, like, like the past few months for me have been sort of massive upheavals. Mm. And I feel like if I didn't have history of knowing, like, sometimes you just got to push through, sometimes you just got to right. get this through too this. shall pass. Yes. On the other side of this is something amazing. Mm. It's awful right now. <laughs> same, <laughs> but on the same. other side, it's going to be incredible. And part of so fascinating part of chakra work is building that self trust to keep going when you're like, this is pointless. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you do mm-hmm. the work and then you, you just keep doing the work and it's, uh, and it's not easy. And it doesn't necessarily get easier. You just get more accustomed to the discomfort. <laughs> I think you collect enough evidence to know, okay, I know that I'm going to be on the other side of this. So then with that collected evidence, you create that resiliency to know this yes. too shall pass. I'm going to be on the other side of this and I'm going to be stronger and more powerful. And I think that's how we then 
create gratitude around that because I know you can say, okay, this is so hard. And I know this is going to be amazing. So somehow I can be grateful for this because I know it's making me better and stronger, but wow, this is hard right now. It's yes. okay. <laughs> and you kind of like grit your teeth and you're like, I am grateful. <laughs> so it's so funny. I mean, and we can tap into our chakra conference conference our chakra conversation if you want now because I think speaking of that grit I mean that is all solar plexus and I have thought to myself am I because as we had talked before I'm really pushing to try to finish my audible which has been so much more work that I realized and you know it's this really interesting balance is it all grit and am I pushing too hard am I not incorporating the divine am I not just allowing but then it has to get done and it's just yeah. a huge project. So what part is ego push and what part is divine? It's like, I don't even know. And I'm like, I just have to finish. Yes. yes. <laughs> and that's part of the process. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I mean. So would you be interested in going just root chakra to crown chakra and just kind of share maybe a little bit of your lesson for those who are feeling alone or at the beginning of their practice, or maybe something that was kind of weird that surprised you that maybe someone's thinking, oh, this is really weird. Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. maybe you can just share, we can go through each chakra and maybe just share something that you learned or something that was profound or, or interesting for you. Does that work for you? I think that's a great idea. Cool. All right. So, so let's begin at the root chakra, which develops during the ages of zero to seven or influences. I don't really like to say develop. I yeah. feel like, I think that's why I got stuck on that word. <laughs> influences are ages between zero and seven. It is about safety and security and acceptance, tribal acceptance, and is balanced by the element of earth. What did you learn during your time about this? And I would love to hear your personal story. Yeah. So a lot of my work in the root chakra has to do with fear and acceptance mm. um, and probably fear of not being accepted. Mm -hmm. uh, but just generally speaking, not being afraid of change, being afraid of doing things I think it, like my very first initial foray is a good example, right? Like I was afraid of what my family would think. I was afraid of what my mm, friends would think. I didn't mm -hmm. know what anybody, I didn't know anybody else who was doing what I thought I might be interested in trying. I was mm -hmm. afraid. And I find that to be the case every time I start to go through like upheaval or turmoil in my life mm -hmm. is that I have stopped acting from love and started acting mm -hmm. from fear. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm greatest work that I can do sometimes is saying, yes, I am afraid, right? The, the more you mm -hmm. try to hide those kinds of things, the more you try to pretend that they don't exist, the more they start showing in other places. I think your <laughs> book actually really discusses that really, really well, right? Like, like with my root chakras filled with fear, like it just starts to pop up other places. Right? <laughs> so yes. like, I, yes. you know, so you have to kind of I, for me, the root chakra work has been about finding the fear and about developing self-trust and the knowledge that I would be okay. Like mm. that security and safety comes from within, not from mm -hmm. without. Mm -hmm. And and I think that that's a really cool hack because I think when people feel really scared or nervous, I think when they realize you can bring focus inward mm -hmm. and create safety just on intention that just in bringing that inward, then you 
somehow then start to feel safe outwardly. And so we don't have to wait for our external circumstances to change. We can actually draw that in first energetically and then reap the results externally. Yes. And I find that when I do create that internal security, my external security, the universe is like, oh, that's what you want. Got it. Understood. (laughs) And then it starts to, and it starts to show up, which... Oh, I was confused before, but now not. (laughs) And the universe is like, you were confused. Now you're not confused. We got you. Right. (laughs) Right. So I think that's been sort of my root chakra journey Mm. and remains my root chakra journey. Like it's, it's scary to not be accepted Mm -hmm. or to, you know, failure. Trying something new is super scary. Mm -hmm. And like putting yourself out there is really scary. We are we are not creatures designed to go it alone. And so if you feel like you're about to, it gets scary. And so I think Mm -hmm. some of the work has been for me managing fear, managing tribal acceptance. Mm -hmm. I feel like a symptom that surprised me within the root chakra was. Oh, just a quick, easy one to like recognize if your root chakra is imbalanced is really the the distraction, losing your keys all the time or double booking. And I feel like those are two symptoms I always talk about. Hey, if you're losing your keys all the time, or if I lose the keys, I literally like ground, like ground your energy, <laughs> get it together, Aaron, come on. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I feel like those were two really obvious symptoms here within the root chakra that was an indicator for me that I needed to pause. And before I started this whole practice, I lost my keys a lot more now, not so much. Fun. So does that feel, do you want to share any more about the root chakra? Are you good there? No, I feel good. (laughs) All right. So let's move on up. We're moving on up. (laughs) Oh, I I just had my daughter watch the Brady Bunch for the first time (laughs) yesterday. (laughs) The mom called the son, or the the siblings called Bobby a stinker. And she's like, you know, I don't like that word. I was so like, aggressive. oh, I wish it was so aggressive. I was like, I wish our our shows called people stinkers and had issue with the word stinker. Talk about it. Let's just learn appropriate language. I know. It's so good. Such a stinker. Anyway, sacral chakra is influences our ages of seven to 14. It is balanced by the element of water. It is about connection. It is the home of our emotions. And I would love to hear how that experience was for you. My sacral chakra was, I feel highly underdeveloped. I'm definitely Mm -hmm. from a like you got some feelings? Go ahead and stuff those down. <laughs> kind of, like, kind of ways. Like, oh, did well, you want to talk a about generation it? too, right? Yeah. I remember being told I had crocodile tears and like those stop those tears, right? Like we weren't encouraged to have emotions where I yes. feel like oh, now you're crying. It's... I'll give you something to cry about. Mm-hmm. What are you talking yes. about? I'm already crying. I've got something to cry about. Thanks. I don't need another. Like I feel good about my current crying situation. But yeah, like so this good. Is, but you know we were not particularly expressive as mm-hmm. I grew up. So big emotions tended to be uh, frowned discouraged. upon. Discouraged. Yeah. Discouraged. Mm-hmm. And my takeaway from that was, I think, fairly common, but it felt very isolating at the time, was that like if you showed emotions, that meant there was a problem with you. And so mm-hmm. I learned very much mm-hmm. like like mask any emotions to not mm-hmm. express them. Good ones too, right? It wasn't just mm-hmm. bad ones. It was good ones as well mm-hmm. and it it made me laugh because I kind of remember realizing at some point during this work that 
um, I had this thing about like if I was at the movies and it was like a sad movie and people in the movie theater were crying and I would like not I would just lay like not crying. I was like that made me look tough or cool or Cooler. something, right? And then I remember realizing that doesn't make you look cool. That makes mm. you look like a sociopath. It just you just like, how can you exist without feelings? And the biggest problem with having the feelings or the not having the feelings was that I, in that disconnect, could never use them Mm -hmm. to help motivate me in any way, right? Like people are motivated by their emotions to do things or motivated to do things in the hopes of the way that they will feel when they do them. And so I was Mm -hmm. missing all of that intrinsic motivation, which I think is where a lot of that people pleasing comes from, right? Mm -hmm. Where we're not motivated by our own joy or our own feelings. We're motivated by the feelings we think our actions will have for other people. This person mm-hmm. will be happy, so I will do this thing. And so I spent a lot of time trying to be like really good at school, like mm. really good at, you know, piano lessons or whatever. Nice. <laughs> so that my my and my feelings about it didn't matter particularly to mm. me because feelings blanket didn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, I, I, I mean, honestly, I still struggle with that from time to time because, like you said, you think it's seven full formative years of being influenced by this developmental structure mm-hmm. and and seven know, just, really emotional years. So yes. I think the, the irony there is those are probably some of the hardest years because you're going through puberty, your body's changing, you have so many feelings, you're like grieving not being a child anymore, but you're not ready to be an adult yet. You have all of this happening. And, you know, I feel like my sacral chakra experience really focused around me making sure that I was responsible for all my own feelings, Mm -hmm. that I made sure to never give my power away to other people, that if they triggered me or upset me, I learned and figured out, okay, what part of me feels insecure or afraid or sad and is triggering that emotion? That that person is just the the mirror to whatever's happening within me. And so I feel like that sacral chakra work has been so helpful for me in owning my own feelings and not making anyone, you know, dependent on my feelings. And even if my husband and I, you know, get into an argument or something, I will often just take a day or two and like, I'm not giving him cold shoulder. And he knows, you know, we've been married for a really long time and we've talked about it. Like I just withdraw and I sort through (laughs) great for him because then we have a lot less to talk about (laughs) after I've taken my time because I sort through my own feelings and what that might have why that might have triggered me. And then we do ultimately talk about it, but I don't ever blame him. And I, I grew up in a very big blame house and oh. that was something I wouldn't allow in my home, right? In my current home, I was not going to do that. And I feel like the sacral chakra work yes, really helped me learn how not to blame. Yeah. It's such a boundary, just like understanding that you are in large part responsible for your own emotions. Mm -hmm. And the turnaround of that is that we have to realize that we are not responsible for other people's emotions because Mm -hmm. we wouldn't want people Mm -hmm. to take away our power. Why would we do them that disservice of taking away their power? And that is a big sort of sacral chakra key moment, right? Mm -hmm. Is that I, I want my, I want my emotions to be my own. I must let other people's emotions be their own. So that was, that's a big one. That's a big one there. Yes. That takes a lot of breathing, which brings us to our solar plexus. So 
breath work is very helpful because our diaphragm lives here within the solar plexus. It is influenced between the ages of 14 and 21. It is about our divine identity. So on the low side, our ego can live here, but on the high side, this is your divine identity. It's how the divine wants you working in this world to complete the puzzle. So there's a beautiful structure here, but there can also be control and criticism and perfectionism that lives here. Would you like to share your personal experience yeah. there? I mean, right in the solar plexus age bracket is when I learned about the chakra system, right? right. So I think that is... Which was 14 to 21. I think I might yeah, have yeah, missed yeah. that detail. <laughs> so it was right in sort of the mid to late bit of that. And that... I mean, to say that that's my divine identity is to really sort of make a lot of assumptions that I know what the divine <laughs> wants, um, which I do not. Well, I would say that it wants for you no matter what. And I think you're doing it. You had said, you know, sometimes I wonder if I'm doing what I'm doing. I think so often when we are doing what the divine wants us to do, we're just moving forward and we just feel pushed and guided but don't necessarily always know what we're doing, but it's like, you know what? I know that you're moving me forward and I, I don't have to know. And sometimes I'm like, how did I get here? Yes. When you have those moments, it's because it's what you're meant here to do. So good job following your divine identity. Following, following my divine identity. <laughs> yeah. And so there's like, there's a lot of doing, there's a lot of action involved in the solar plexus. Mm -hmm. um, and action has never been sort of my my downfall. I'm a very like, let's just do it. Like, let's go, let's go, let's go kind of person. So a lot of my growth here has actually been just settling down for mm. crying out loud. Do you have <laughs> to do every single thing? People will say, how do you do all of these things? And I have to, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I just go. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. but learning part of your divine identity is, is who you are, not what you do. Right? And mm -hmm. I was, mm -hmm. I for a long time ignored like the being part of human being. It's like that's, I was a human doing and not a human being, right? Mm -hmm. Like I know that's very silly, mm -hmm. but that's how I felt like as mm. I was, like I was very solar plexus driven, which of course leads to a lot of stress, high cortisol level, levels, things like that. So my, my solar plexus journey has been ongoing shall we say? <laughs> same, <laughs> same, same. And, so, and occasionally I do have to just tap into it and just like, thank goodness, because sometimes when I'm afraid I won't get the things done, I'm like, nope, I know I can tap into that. Mm -hmm. I have strong fire, strong Agni burning down there. I'm, mm -hmm. I, I, I can push, I can get this taken care of. And it, but it's, for me, it's been about balancing the rest factor with that. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, this solar plexus journey, unsurprisingly, is so unique for everyone, right? Mm -hmm. If it's about your individual identity, it is going to be a unique journey. Well, and I feel like for me, in writing Establishing Equilibrium, because the solar plexus pairs with the crown chakra. So the crown chakra, which we'll get to, is you know all about the collective consciousness and the divine. All things happen in perfect divine time in the perfect divine way, but that our divine that's why i call it the divine identity because it's the piece of the puzzle that completes what happens within the collective consciousness 
<laughs> truth be told, I used to think, you know, there wasn't a lot. I th- I felt like I needed to diminish my solar plexus, right? That there was bad, you know, the solar plexus was bad. Oh, of course, yeah. none of them are bad. They oh, all have their ask purpose. People all the time, how do I kill my ego? I'm like, well, don't do that. You don't want to do that. That's not, a, that's not a, a good thing to do. Yeah. But this is in the book I talk about how we need the structure and we need the guidance and the structure of the solar that the solar plexus offers in order to be guided. If we're all crown chakra, we're just kind of flowing all over the place. We need the fire to move us forward. We need the structure of the solar plexus. So I've really come to really love and appreciate the solar plexus in a whole new way in the last few years. Very sol- very solar plexing right now, <laughs> trying to get through the audible. I am done. pushing so hard, but you know, I've I've thought, okay, well divine. You can still be involved, (laughs) but we both know this has to get done. So, but I do think there's a lot of beauty in the solar plexus when it's balanced properly. It offers structure, it offers drive, and it offers this beautiful identity. I think so often people, individuals are too afraid to be who they're called to be. And my message is to people, have people know their role is so important. You were designed for this and it is so necessary to accomplish your role. Agreed. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we can move on to the heart chakra, the anahata. And this is the astral bridge between the three physical chakras and the three spiritual chakras and influences the years of 21 to 28 that for many of us fell in love. But this this chakra is more about self-love first and and then embodied love and then outward seeking love. But it begins first with self-love and all the ways that we release attachments to love and draw in connection and appreciation for others. So it is balanced by the element of air. And I would love to hear your personal thoughts on that, your experience. So 21 to 28 is, it's so interesting that it's the bridge between sort of the upper work and the lower work, uh, because that's kind of about when I started, and again, at the upper Mm, end of it, mm -hmm. started realizing, oh my gosh, what these is this? Two, these two <laughs> things that I'm doing separately are connected. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of sort of grew to that realization. Mm-hmm. I personally feel like I've kind of always struggled a little bit with the heart chakra being open to that. I think that's not uncommon with women in particular because mm-hmm. they tend to be very good at giving, giving, giving love, right? Pushing mm-hmm. out through this energy center. But sort of the other way of the the street, the other the, the second way of the two way street is blocked, and there's no, like somebody reaches out to love you, and there's a lot of because, like you were saying, oh, I'm not worthy of that. Mm-hmm. I'm not valuable mm-hmm. enough for that. I don't. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't be loved. And I think for me, that was a lot of the work that I was uh, seeing in my clients is they were trying to earn their lovableness through physical changes, like losing weight, building muscles, somehow six pack abs was going to make them like Mm. worthy of love. And the fact was that has nothing to do with Mm -hmm. loving yourself or being worthy of love from others, right? Those are not connected. Those are not things that, so anyway, 
that was, I think, sort of the pain point that I started seeing a lot with the people I was working with that sort of inspired me to to bring my chakra work to the physical work that I was doing with people. Yeah, the the, the heart chakra is a is a challenging one. It's so it encompasses so many many things, and I, I we talk about you know breathing in the in the solar plexus. I also find breathing with the heart chakra and the lungs to be extremely helpful for balancing the heart chakra. Right, opening up the chest, sh- you know, keeping shoulders back instead of mm-hmm. instead of releasing my posture into this caved sensation mm-hmm. where I feel like I'm pulling physically pulling my heart energy back from people. You know allowing it to come forth. And that's been sort of Mm -hmm. a big growing process for me um, throughout my chakra journey. Again, I I, I feel like I think, oh gosh, when I first started, that's how it was. And then I'm like, oh yeah, also right now. (laughs) 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 These are not, it just, it just shows. Weird how that timeline works, huh? It just shows itself in different ways at different points, right? As you Mm -hmm. change and grow as a person and do various work, it just, it just looks a little different, but the work at its core is kind of the same. So. Mm -hmm. It's so true. And what I have found with my people pleasing, both for myself as well as with clients is it was the first symptom of lack of self-love. And we, because we are being good and loving to everyone else except to ourselves. When you can first learn how to be whole and complete here, and then you give from overflow, so you can still be a giver and you can still love on people, but you're whole and complete first. And then you give from overflow. And for me, that was my heart chakra learning experience is how different and and nobody's fooling anybody <laughs> when you are giving from depletion yeah. the person who's receiving feels it you're bitter and mad that you're giving even though it might be something that you want to do but you bring this bitter resentful energy because you're just exhausted and yes. but when you can become whole and complete within yourself doing all of this work then you're giving from overflow and everybody wins Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Giving from overflow. And that just can't be done until you give to yourself at least something, right? You stop giving the, <laughs> the best something. part. Something. You got to stop giving the best parts of yourself away mm-hmm. and then holding nothing back for yourself, right? Like mm-hmm. even, even the most amazing people on the planet can't possibly give all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just, I try, I just think about that and try to remember you know, self-care mm-hmm. really, really matters. And I don't mean like, it could be, but I don't mean just like taking a bath, like relaxing for a minute. <laughs> right. Right? I mean like right. truly self-care mm-hmm. that gives you lasting sense of peace, sense of security, the mm-hmm. work, what whatever that work looks like for you, that's the thing that's going to fill up your mm-hmm. ability to love harder and longer and with, with abundance, right? With the absolute... Mm-hmm generosity of love that you never think to yourself, oh, I'm so tired. I wish I didn't have to do this. You're just like, I I have more than I could possibly ever use. Let me share, right? And mm-hmm. I think that's something I aspire to be. I know people like that and mm-hmm. I find it inspirational. I always refer to it as the bucket, the self-love bucket here in the heart space. And when we invite the divine love to fill this bucket, then it's overflowing and 
that first bucket though belongs to you. <laughs> so we have divine love filled in within that bucket and then we give from the overflow. So, and then when it starts to not feel like overflow, it's our responsibility to hold boundaries, to stop and make a different choice, make a different choice and say, you know what? I can do that tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's like, you know, you come to know yourself so well that you're like, you know, I won't even be good at that. Or I won't even be, bring the best version of that. My, my family member says, I'm fresh out of friendly. I got to go. Yep. <laughs> we say, we at our house, we say, I'm done peopling. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I think it is so important. I think pandemic definitely helped us learn our level of peopling. But, you know, it's just like I, I have two teenagers, so I've had to teach them both how to drive. And I learned that I could only handle 20 minutes in the car at a time <laughs> because I learned at minute time. 21, I <laughs> my my energetic system could not handle it. And I would start yelling and I didn't want to yell at them. No, it wasn't good oh for them. It wasn't, but I, I literally could not handle anymore. And yeah. once I realized 20 minutes was my, my max, we went out for 20 minutes and, and it was great at that and you, point. And, moving and they forward. learned because nobody learns while being yelled at. Right. But that exactly. is such a huge part of this process of this work is the getting to know yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you learn your boundaries at 20 minutes and it doesn't have to be that, but it could be like you learn your boundaries at 20 minutes and then you respect that and mm -hmm. then you honor that. And then mm -hmm. you agree with yourself to do this, mm -hmm. right? Rather mm -hmm. than, oh, than violating your own boundaries repeatedly every <laughs> single day, which is the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, I share that because I think that's super transferable. Mm -hmm. Totally. Find your boundary and know what feeds you and then run with that. Okay. So throat chakra, where we know our truth, we speak our truth and it is influences the ages between 28 and 35. It is balanced and nourished by the element of ether. Talk to me about your truth. The truth is <laughs> I, <laughs> I am a teacher by nature, mm -hmm. which you find a lot of people uh, who live a lot in their throat chakras tend to be. Mm -hmm. And I, it took me a long time to say this with confidence, but one thing that I do well is take complicated concepts and translate them into something that more people can understand. Mm -hmm. And I don't, that's not like the most amazing skill. That's not like I'm so good at it and you should be jealous. That's not the point. I, you know, it's just giving people the roadmap is very different than talking over their heads. So yes. it is a divine It's a, it's, a it's an amazing skill and mm -hmm. something that I, I also love to do and do well is if I, have you ever been in a situation where like two people are talking and they just cannot understand each other? Like they just, they, they and one thing that I do well is step into that and say, ah, oh, I see what's happened here. Let me translate. So it's a very throat mm. chakra translatory. Like mm. you're saying this, you're saying this, you're actually saying the same things here. Here's your difference. Here's words that you both understand and solving conflict, mediating conflict. Mm -hmm. Now, all that to say, I love my throat chakra, but, <laughs> I, <laughs> but I also struggle there so hard because that is where I start to doubt what, that's why it took me two years to start a podcast, mm -hmm. because despite the fact that I have this 
sort of overwhelming urge to share, to communicate, to listen, to mm-hmm. speak, to do all of these things, I mm-hmm. also heartily struggled with self-doubt in that mm-hmm. way. I look back at my journals from the time when I was thinking about podcasting and I was like, oh, I know, I'll, I can start a podcast as soon as I've structured out how it will look and as soon as I've done all of this back-end work. Oh, surely that's all your what's solar flexing. me back. Exactly. Like, oh, it's, it's the planning process. And it wasn't that. But, you know, mm-hmm. routinely I would see uh, written, woke up with a lump in my throat, sore throat today, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Aaron. Week after week of this, this is the work I do. You'd think that I would be like, <laughs> I'd see this pattern. I'd be like, ah, I see what the problem is. But I absolutely 100% refuse to see it in myself. So a lot of my journey has been about, you know, allowing the throat chakra to open um, and communicate all of the things that I, I felt needed to be in the world. And I'm by no stretch of the imagination, the wisest person in the world, right? Like, that's not the point. The point is that everybody has something valuable to communicate with the world. And that's what the throat chakra lets us do. So I'd let people know, like, talking about your feelings, talking about your thoughts, talking about your ideas, you wouldn't have them if they didn't need some sort of expression in the world. And it doesn't have, you don't have to start a podcast, right? That's a bit of an extreme throat chakra. Throat chakra extreme. Yeah. Right. Or like you don't have to start like a professional singing career to balance your throat chakra. But I think that we set, I see a lot of blocks. I think the throat chakra, I see a huge number of, of people who just have massive imbalances there, throat troubles, ear troubles, jaw, mouth, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, because they're, they're holding themselves back. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like my, and I recognize it, (laughs) I recognize it easily in others. (laughs) 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 So I think that was like my biggest takeaway from the throat chakra was like, if you feel like you have a lot of pressure, like you're getting messages from the divine, like down from the top, and you've had this emotional need to communicate and connect with others, like that's a lot of pressure to build up. Mm-hmm. And the throat itself in the physical body narrows. It's a narrow gateway. It's not surprising that it gets like uh, clogged mm-hmm. up. I think of it like a traffic mm-hmm. jam, right? So much <laughs> stuff just happened there and like, yeah, yeah you just got to kind of like pull it out a little bit, be patient. And mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's sort of my throat chakra journey. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorites, but man, it was a rough go. No, I find it to be the toughest energy center for most people. So in my in my chakra series courses, when we'd have weekly courses, I would have a hundred percent attendance. You know, root chakra, sacral chakra, right. so attendance, oh, attendance, so attendance, fun. and then, but no, every single time we would get to the throat chakra and then like half the class wouldn't show up. And so the first, yeah. the first few <laughs> rounds I thought, okay, maybe there was a big game or maybe there was something else going on. I don't know. So then at one point I asked the class, I was like, do you think that people don't show up because of the topic or do you think they have other things to do? And literally it was resounding the topic. topic. Absolutely. <laughs> and it's funny because people want to want to work on their throat chakra. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think so uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, and I think, again, writing this book has been so illuminating for my own 
understanding of this system. The sacral chakra pairs with the throat chakra. And it is how we express our feelings or don't express our feelings. And it is where we have our desire and we speak our desires into truth or we don't speak, right? You had a sore throat. You weren't (laughs) speaking it into truth yet, but you had this desire. And by the way, I was, I had the two year thing too. I thought about my podcast for two years. And for me, it showed up more in the electronics. Like I was I, I wasn't afraid of the talking part. I was afraid of the electron. I still kind of am afraid of the electronics parts, but you know, I keep monitoring computers love me, electronics <laughs> love me. <laughs> you know, I feel like that has been such an interesting and powerful experience to understand why the throat chakra is so hard. It's because it has to release the emotions and the desire and yeah. And when we have so much, when we are excessive in the solar plexus and we have so, or in the sacral and have so much emotion, we, it can create such a deficiency within the throat because the throat's trying to help the other side balance so hard that we end up being so emotional, we can't speak or so upset or mad, we can't speak. So it takes some real subtleties and some real nuance to draw energy to the partnership in order to get the throat. Like you can't just gouge the throat and say, open up. (laughs) It's like you have to massage that and know that it's safe enough to open by balancing the emotions that are trying to come through it. Yeah. Yeah. Powerful. Okay. So third eye is open from the beginning of our life and closes in, can open again when people feel ready to do that. What is your intuitive experience? I love my third eye chakra. It took me a long time to sort of get to that point. I think I've just sort of always had pretty good like imagination, pretty good vision. My parents did not enjoy that that I would (laughs) have intuition like that. And my, my dad explained it to me once and it was very funny. He said, he said, ah, no, this is not, this intuition isn't real, which is hilarious. But um, (laughs) he said, that's not what that is. Uh, He said, you're just, you're just a very quick thinker. So you get a lot of information, you process it very quickly. And that's what you, that's what you're experiencing. And I was like, oh, interesting, because I was little at the time, right? Because so many kids are so intuitive like that. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I guess I'm just a good information synthesizer. And that's Mm -hmm. sort of how I how I thought about my third eye chakra for a long time. What I did not know, what I would later learn was my third eye chakra, right? Like I didn't know that as a kid. And when he told me that he would he just wished I would stop saying like, oh, I think it's going to blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And then it would happen. He was like, oh. Like right. you just wish that would quit. Except that it's actually true, right? Because our, which we haven't covered on this part, but each one of our energy centers manages one of our senses. So our root chakra is our sense of smell. Our second chakra is our sense of taste. Our third chakra is our sense of sight, our sense of touch, and our sense of hearing. Our third eye is the culmination of all those energy centers here within the third eye, which also is a layer of our aura. So you he is actually correct yeah, in exactly. that you were just absorbing. kind of nailed it, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is that you're absorbing all that information into your third eye because it's your sixth sense. It's the culmination of all of those senses. Yeah, I think that the funny Way to go, thing Dad. is he was, he was like, he was like, that's not real. It, it's like, and so yeah, that was that like, would that was be very amusing, disinvalidating. Um, 
I don't think well, that's a word, but I'm going to make it a word. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I think it could have been, except that I was like, oh, like it offered an alternative solution to mm-hmm. what what I was experiencing. So I did. I think that was very I thought it was very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. it is I do love just some good visualization. And that's part of the third eye. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's been so incredibly helpful because sometimes when I couldn't like in I when I felt mired in what was happening and I mm. felt like I couldn't see the end mm-hmm. I think some of the best work I've been able to do is sort of like close my eyes allow the third eye chakra to do its work so I'm like mm-hmm. I can't see the future with my physical eyes I can't see the end of recording this audiobook <laughs> I can't see the end right. of right. this this manic phase like I can't see the end of this but then I can tap into that mm-hmm. and it does allow us to sort of know what or see what is not easily seen or see what is mm-hmm. not physically seen so mm-hmm. um, so beautiful that, yeah I just think my I always want to like complicate my relationship with my third eye when in fact <laughs> I think it might be <laughs> the simplest relationship it's with not the you that I have. it's me <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, it, and so, because I think a lot of people also, I work with a lot of people who feel like they don't have good intuition or they don't follow their intuition or they aren't in touch with the third eye. And mm-hmm. it's, and, and so we want to overcomplicate it. Oh, I need to right. do 10 hours of meditation a day or something right. like that. And it's, right. it's not as complicated. Agreed. As I think it's we, more about surrender than yes, anything else. That's exactly right. Just yeah. like, ah. Oh, here it is. Yes. Like, okay. Speaking of, I know we have to surrender to time. So I want to get to the crown really quickly before we have to say goodbye or until next time. So crown chakra is about our collective consciousness. It's about the divine plan. It is about our connection to the divine. There is no age. There is no element. It is all, it is the absence of light actually that is balanced here. Share your crown chakra experience. Because I was raised with such sort of dogmatic thoughts, mm. Um, I feel like I was constantly aware of the divine, but it was different mm-hmm. than my experience of it now. Mm. And it was very maybe less personal, very elite, well, yeah, and patriarchal and authoritative. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's part of the collective consciousness. This was not part of the collective. Whereas when I now, when I think about the collective, I think we're all an equally important part of Mm. the collective and necessary part necessary part Mm -hmm. whereas in my sort of upbringing it was the opposite of that you matter you do not matter you are Mm. a nobody and so I went through sort of a hmm just a bit of a challenge where I was like fine then I reject (laughs) all of that and I was just like and again I kind of didn't know what I was doing or thinking about but I was like we're mm-hmm. just gonna close up all those little lotus petals boop, boop, you know just like, <laughs> no no more connection to the divine I'm just gonna worry about right. like third Me. eye down right? right I was like I I'm one of those special people who doesn't need that <laughs> like, like, so again what could where, go wrong what could go wrong and but where was like I just I didn't know what I was doing. I was learning on my own. I was like skip the crown chakra chapter. I'm like that doesn't apply to me because I don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. And I was and it was just a process of rejecting the the challenges, the the harshness of that mm-hmm. original understanding of what 
the divine and what a connection to it looked like. And then Mm -hmm. sort of gradually developing a new relationship with the universe, the divine, Mm -hmm. the cosmic consciousness. And now Mm -hmm. I will say it's, it's one of my favorites because again, also other times when I'm feeling like, I don't know what's happening. Should I be doing what I'm doing? I just like, when I feel a mess, which I'm sure nobody listening has ever felt a mess before. (laughs) But when I feel a mess, I do feel like I have tools now to Mm -hmm. just tap into that and to, to see that connection and to feel that connection. And when I take a moment to really focus on that space, on that relationship, on the balancing of that space, Mm-hmm. I do feel sort of taken over by a sense of peace mm-hmm. or surrender, just like mm-hmm. you just said, mm-hmm. surrendering mm-hmm. to the fact that I am a necessary part of something mm-hmm. bigger than myself. And I love that feeling. And I never had that growing up. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was always a throwaway trash piece of something better than myself. Mm-hmm. Right? I know. Mm-hmm. And it sounds very sad. But that's what you were trained. That's what you were trained. trained. And I think a lot of people actually do come to this work with that sense, even Mm -hmm. if they don't realize it. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's one thing that we work through. mm -hmm. Clients who do not have a belief in something greater, who are atheist or for whatever reason, often because they've had a a bad experience, I encourage them to just find their sacred center within them. and. That's where the divine lives anyway. That's right. <laughs> so That's exactly you don't right. have to call it anything or be attached to anything. Like I think when you then tap into that space within you, the rest falls into place. So Agreed. well, you are such a necessary part to this Aww. world and to me. And I'm so grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are so special. You're doing such amazing work. And you, how can people find you? So I would love it if people wanted to pop over to the podcast, Your Chakra Coach, and just have a listen. You could even go listen to Aaron's interview um, <laughs> on my podcast. But I have lots of different I'll interviews. I'll include a link There's, down below. <laughs> yeah, lots of lots and lots of episodes, lots of information. Actually, as of this recording, I'm just a few weeks away from episode 200, which feels <gasps> Congratulations. like massive. Thank you. It feels like how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think that honestly, that milestone is part of why. Like right now, I'm just like. Like, should I, should I wrap it up? You know, yeah. is there more to even be said or can Take you Take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> can I, have, have I actually covered the whole thing, right? Am I, are we, <laughs> am I done? Um, yeah. So go check out the podcast. Uh, you can also visit my website, yourchakracoach.com. I'm on all the socials at Your Chakra Coach. So yeah, I would love to just connect with your listeners and, you know, let me know. Let me know how I can help. How can I serve you? How can mm-hmm. I um, be the guide I always wish I had on my journey mm-hmm. for you, Sarah Bright? You are a bright light in this world. Thank you Thank so you. much for all you do, and I'm so so grateful for you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much for listening to this beautiful conversation. Be sure to follow your chakra coach and of course the Love Heal Thrive podcast to dive in even deeper into your chakra learning. I'm so happy you're here. Love yourself enough to heal. Heal yourself enough to thrive. Take care. Mm